0: Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your
1: complete legal solution. Welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verlam ninety two point six FM. I'm Lydia Elcouri, and evening I'm Shirley Heyman. Now, there's so much research out there at the moment about parents and technology, and what we should be doing. Our children ahead of us—is that okay? What you know? Do we need to keep ahead of our children? And should we keep an eye on what games they're playing? Um, Should we have a system of security in place? Now, we're really delighted to have a local code club organiser, coding club organiser, Graham Bridge, with us in the studio this evening. And he runs many of the coding clubs in Harpenden and St. Albans. And he's going to talk to us about Minecraft. Yes, that game your child's obsessed with. And he's going to be talking to us about coding in general. Um, You know, both games, once children get into them, I think they're they get pretty hooked quite easily so we're going to pick graham's brains about those and see if there are pluses minuses and um, and how what we as parents should be
0: doing and as ever on the parents show we don't just bring you one expert we have some others lined up for you this evening so we're going to be speaking to alicia coad who's the founder of ChatFoss, Foss meaning a safe and secure chat forum for children and alicia has made a new app and um she's got lots of advice for us parents and then towards the end of the evening we hope to speak to elizabeth elizabeth um mill Milovidoff. Milovidoff. And uh, we're speaking to her in France, Lydia, aren't we? That's right.
1: She's coming live from Paris to join us this evening.
0: And Elizabeth knows all about managing screen time for our children. She's a lawyer and an e-safety consultant on internet safety issues, uh, blogs for the family online safety um, institute, working for them, and coaches parents on best practices in this digital age.
1: That's it. So we'll be taking questions by email, by phone on 8, uh, 839 926, just like the frequency and or you can pop us a question on the parents show Facebook page because we have three excellent people in the studio and I know technology's one question parents are um never 100% sure what to do about. So do send in your questions we have the right people to answer them and um the Radio Verlam parents show Facebook page is exactly as it say, the parents show. Um, Just type that into Facebook and you'll find us now to our first guest, Graham Bridge is an old Verilamian, so that's the St. Albans Boys Grammar School, for those of you who don't know, and he cut his computer teeth learning the Z80 assembly language in the 1980s and um, I'm sure there are lots of dads out there going, that's really cool and he also um, he used, this, he used the Z80 to crack copy protection on ZX Spectrum cassette-based software to transfer to five and a quarter inch floppy disks <laughs> so I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to be really impressed with that, I'm too ignorant to understand Understand what it means but he's currently a stemnet ambassador and a code club volunteer and runs coding clubs in sandringham wheatfield st columbus crabtree soon verulam and a community club in 2016 and he tutors private pupils from 8 to 80 in most computer languages that is one heck of a resume graham thank you for joining us on the parents show
2: well thank you for inviting me so it's nice to be able to uh, to to give parents uh, a heads up because uh, uh, I find that when the children come to my coding clubs, the parents don't really know what's going on uh, and what they're actually learning. So it's nice to be able to to give you some idea of uh, of what we're doing.
1: I'd be, I'm a perfect example of one of those kind of parents. Now, Graham, can you explain? You run you lead several code clubs in the area. Can you explain why a parent might want their child to attend a code club at all?
2: Yes, the the over the last two or three years, the. Um, curriculum has changed greatly for uh, teaching computers Uh, up until fairly recently um, it was ICT which was the use of computers such as Word and Access and Publisher and various other things so that you learned how to use a computer so that you could then go to uh, a job and be confident in in using the software that was already present on the machines that you might find in the uh, office Um, but uh, Over the last year or two the the emphasis has now changed so that you're not only being able to use the the various software that's available but actually to understand how computers work and perhaps more importantly how to actually make them work by you learning how to code them to do what you want them to do Uh, so that that's been quite a big change now if you Imagine that schools are finding it quite hard to find the the time uh, The staff and the resources to to teach coding even to the level that's required by the uh, curriculum Um, So they're doing a, a good job in as far as they can do it, but the young people themselves are so fascinated by the the new technology and what they can make it do that they're demanding far more than the schools can provide in in the time they have allocated so if um if a school runs a code club it gives the opportunity for the pupils to learn things which are outside the curriculum so that they can learn new languages they can learn on different pieces of hardware operating systems uh, and really take their coding skills to a to another level
1: it makes so much sense doesn't it I mean teachers have so much on their plates and to expect them to take on a whole new subject and get to the level of specialization of somebody like you who really you've kind of delved into this for years it it just doesn't make sense it makes sense to in you know bring in the the expertise from outside
2: it certainly does yes and it makes a huge difference uh, in the clubs that are that I've run, we have used, for example, the Raspberry Pi, which is a relatively new uh, computer system, uh, and even a a device called an Arduino, which uh, is... um uh, can be made at all sorts of things like running robots and uh, uh, Things like that uh, and they're programmed in the language called C Which would not normally be taught until perhaps a level and I have uh, primary school children programming in C.
1: That's Amazing mm-hmm. that is absolutely amazing. Now. Why would you do that Graham? Why would you jump ahead with something like C because I, I mean I know There's adults who who are learning C never mind But you know end of primary school
2: well, the, the first club I was asked to uh, To take uh, hold of was at Crabtree in uh, Harpenden uh, That uh, that one was I was asked because the the children there were, were learning scratch Which is uh, very commonly taught in schools, but the teacher said they're getting a bit fed up with it They want to be more challenged something more challenging. So I thought okay. Well, let's let's see how we can go with this so we we started to do Python, which is normally taught at uh, secondary school and uh, one or two you always find in a, a group of say twenty people, especially if they've already come to you as a as a to take part in a club, that they're already extremely interested in in the computer science as it is, that they're obviously going to be um, sort of above average with their uh, abilities, and so I thought, right, well, let's push it, and so. Uh, we've got nothing to lose. Let's try them on something which would not even be considered, and it has proved to be very successful in those that uh, have that natural ability to to code.
1: Fantastic. And why why should you limit them to what you know what the the curriculum expects from them?
2: Well, that's it because it's a club. We don't need to. Yeah. Uh, we as it, it's a club, you can really we can do what we like. Uh, there was an example where uh, a lad brought in his laptop, not in a uh, primary school, it's so a senior school and it wasn't working so we said okay well shall we reset it how do we do that so we spent that lesson showing everybody how to reset the laptop reinstall windows reinstall drivers uh, and and they had a, a very good educative experience and they now know how to reset their laptops well i can just see so
1: many parents want to send their kids to you now so that <laughs> you they can sort out all their it issues in the
2: house oh yes Um so tell us so schools are teaching code oh yes they are um, The the problem is that, um, for the reasons I already mentioned, it's taking a little bit of time to to get up to speed. Um, Most primary schools use the Scratch language, which I uh, mentioned, which is an icon-based system of, of writing code, so you don't actually type in lines of text. Uh, you use these uh, little icons and, and drag them from one place to another. So it's quite easy to learn, and um, I think from about year three onwards wouldn't be uncommon. Um, uh, it's still used right into senior school level, um, but it's it, it has its limitations, and they don't usually do much else. Um, having said that, one of the schools that I attend, uh, the teacher there... Um, already teaches html in year five uh, for those of you who may not be aware html is what's used to write web pages so that by the time they've done their year five uh, course of html they can write their own web pages which isn't bad for a primary school not at all no
0: yeah. it's not at all bad so how how can a school start a coding club where do we find people like you then
2: graham right well there's uh, a number of methods um I, uh, as you mentioned at the start, I'm a STEM Ambassador, um, Mm -hmm. which means that um, there's an organisation called STEMnet which supports schools um, for um, schools or parents that are interested. Their uh, web address is simply www.stemnet.org.uk and schools can contact uh, STEMnet to ask uh, if there's um, a STEM ambassador that can come and help them with all sorts of... uh, STEM, if if you may probably be as aware, is short for science, technology, engineering and maths. So uh, those subjects um, uh, can be handled by a number of volunteers like myself who can either come on a one-off visit to a school and help them out with a a project or help them get started to run their, their own clubs. But, of course, it does then rely on the schools having somebody or some members of staff, perhaps, or or an outsider who uh, will then continue to run the club. So uh, not normally something that's done on a long-term visit. Uh, second one is um, CodeClub.org. Again, I'm a member of that, which is an organisation that uh, um, can go into a school and run a Code Club. Um, So when I started at uh, uh, Harpenden, I actually did that on the request uh, of Code Club. Uh, and that's where I did a a whole year voluntarily free of charge Um, I have now started to charge for that club because uh, I felt one year was 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 good enough mm. and uh, obviously I, I I am retired and so I don't want to do too much right completely free but I do still run two clubs completely free of charge
0: so what would parents be expecting to pay for their child do you think to do an hours code club or
2: uh, it varies on the school but but an roughly. average average fee seems to be about five pounds per session per child okay so that's an hour's coding yeah
0: it's just amazing, Lydia, isn't it? These children are going to go out into the world of work. I mean, with all these skills. Skilled up. I yeah. mean,
1: I, the thing is, I actually think it is going to call a, cause a problem insofar as young children will be actually streets ahead of people that are employing them. The, uh, yes. The, that that's that the, is the danger. That is yes. the danger, yeah. which is, which, I mean, it's, it's a great thing if, it, if it's managed properly, but children will just be way way ahead of grown-ups they will uh,
2: another way of course that, that schools can try and get clubs organized is um, parents are, are, are a huge source of uh, all sorts of skills the downside is that of course most parents are working and so to get somebody who can come in during school hours is quite difficult um the uh, before i retired i used to do it on a thursday because I always had a Thursday as a day off and so I spent my day off uh, running code clubs because I enjoyed doing it. So, uh, But but that's another problem with parents, there are a lot of parents that would help but of course trying to get the the, the times that the schools run is, is more difficult.
0: Right. Can, can I just ask you Graham, I mean obviously it's your passion, we know about your history a little bit, but why do you think our children um, need to be doing this or do you think they don't need to be, it's just if they're very passionate and interested in it themselves? Um,
2: it, it's two things, I think. First, okay. Firstly, if, if you've got to something that's really interesting you, then why not go for yep, it? Yeah, I um, agree with that, yeah. Uh, certainly, if uh, computers of, that we have these days had been available when I was at primary or secondary school, I would have been on it all day and every day, uh, because I was just, when I started it as a hobby, uh, I was still spending far too much time and not getting out enough. And, and <laughs> I think uh, uh, that, that's something I, w- I would definitely have gone into as a career if mm-hmm. it had been available at the time. Um, but the other thing is that through every industry, um, computers and coding is getting more and more important. Can you go into a shop without a computer? Then you go into Tesco. What do you pay at? You pay... Uh, either, now it's more and more... Um, a desk with a serve yourself yes that's all run by a computer um, you go into your local bank instead of having a staff there you have somebody at the door directing you to the nearest machine so computers are really getting more and more involved in more and more um, places from medicine uh, space engineering everywhere so mm. people who learn coding skills are going to be in high demand and are going to be able to earn good money from careers in that field so okay. i think that's a, a, a good idea to get um children interested in in coding and computers in general
0: and is that happening now already mm. in the workplace that yes. these people are in demand
2: yes right okay yes, it's happening now and it's growing exponentially
0: okay yeah. lydia can we go on to talk about minecraft yet let's, i'm let's, dying to talk about that oh, let's oh go yes from
1: minecraft graham's dying to talk about it oh as good well. I okay yes that is.
0: well uh, graham i'm a teacher oh, and i have children boys and girls that just talk about it the whole time for those people that don't know just do quick you know 20 seconds what is minecraft and why are children just so fascinated with it not just children oh. not just children <laughs> okay. no, no, some
2: some of us rather sadder adults are also rather obsessed <laughs> with it but, uh, um minecraft is um it's difficult to describe but um if you think of it as virtual lego that's probably a good description oh, okay. um I spent my early years um, building things with Lego bricks and I used to spend pretty much all of my spare time this is from about the age of five building things with Lego just for the fact that I wanted to construct houses buildings uh, vehicles whatever was available at the time that that Lego were producing now if you imagine that you've got a game where you can use blocks uh, to build just about any structure you want and on top of that not only simple structures but in the game there is water and lava which has real physics associated with it so that you can learn how to um, make the water flow you can then build things using pistons doors electrical circuits to make real uh, copies of machines that actually work so you're beginning to learn the principles that are used in, in engineering so that's, that's just in its, um, what they call, um, creative mode. Where, okay. where you are not being chased by monsters, but you're just there to create something. You can fly around in the world, you have infinite resources. And if you go on to um, your favourite search engine and, and type in Minecraft... Uh, structures, you will see the most incredible buildings, entire towns that have been built Mm -hmm. out of Minecraft, Mm -hmm. and they really are quite stunning. Uh, So, it's that creativity, the ability to build something that does it. Um, But also, there is a a second mode, which is uh, the one that perhaps the children are uh, be more interested in, which is survival mode, where you still have the the same blocks, the same uh, ability to build and things, but you have the hazard of Uh, uh, monsters which they call mobs which appear at night and of course are trying to get rid of you so um the idea is that in survival mode you have to build yourself a little home um uh, build yourself some tools, uh, make a shelter, and then, of course, you have a, a hunger level, so you have to feed, mm-hmm. uh, so you need to grow food, or oh, okay. dare I say it, kill animals
3: <laughs> oh.
2: Oh, extreme <laughs> violence. Um, but uh, you can build up quite a strategy of how to survive in the world by simply planning ahead and thinking, okay, I've got, say, 10 minutes of daylight before the game changes tonight where I'm safe so you go out and you'll chop down trees and then you can craft the wood that you cut down into all sorts of tools and then you can dig into the ground and go mining which is where of course it gets its name mm-hmm. uh, and then you dig up resources such as iron ore uh, diamonds uh, and other things and then you use uh, what you've got in raw materials to build a furnace you can then smelt the iron ore you can then get more and more powerful uh, weapons, uh, more and more armor and all sorts of things, so that the survival side of it again a lot of strategy, a lot of forward thinking, very little violence because the mm. the mobs that attack you um, is they 're quite easy to beat off, and you can <laughs> set the level uh, that you want, and it just adds that little hazard yes. th- to make the game a bit more exciting so it 's easy to see how it can get quite effective yeah. thank you,
1: thank you for that really good we've, description we've um we're going. we actually having too much fun chatting. We need to speed things oh, up a little right bit. Okay. Right. So, and, and tell us how much is it, Graham?
2: Right. Uh, the game itself is uh, seventeen ninety five. It's just a one off fee, um, and once you've paid that fee, you are then able to log in using your uh, um, email and uh, a password that you create on any computer anywhere and play it Uh, so you're not restricted to one machine you can go to your neighbors or your friends or whatever and as long as they've got it installed you can just log in as yourself and and play your game so it's a one-off fee and there's that's it a lifelong thing there's no no more
1: and any in-app purchases, any tricks? This is what I'm always the, the afraid of. The 17
2: dollars I was talking about, of course, is for the PC or Mac edition. It's also available on Android and iOS for four ninety-nine, uh, And I've seen it for about £12-something on Xbox and PS4. Um, as far as I'm aware, I did look all this up before I came. The only fee I could see was a 79-pence fee on android or ios to get some extra skins and extra monsters and that seemed to be a one-off so it's definitely not one of those games where children are being led to try and uh, get more gold or more this or more that and then the 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 credit card is is uh, going crazy it's uh it's definitely not designed for that purpose that's fantastic yeah. so
1: there are so many pluses to minecraft that mm. i think parents are not aware of i mean i i definitely had it in the category of those kind of violent games where monsters and you're killed and 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 in-app you know, purchases and tricks and all that kind of mm. stuff so it's really illuminating to hear that. no definitely
2: not um one thing also i know you're probably getting short of time but the the link between coding and minecraft is that there is a what's called a mod which is a moderation uh, or modified file that you can download for free and install on minecraft which uh, there are hundreds literally of these mods but the one i use is called computercraft where inside the game you have um uh, virtual computers and virtual what they call turtles which are computers that can run around the place and You can program those in uh, a language called Lua, uh, which is a real-life uh, Language although it's not used that often and you can do phenomenal things by actually programming the robots And so that's where the link between Code clubs that we were talking about and Minecraft. I generally speaking I use the computer craft mod in Minecraft on from year four upwards um and there are uses for it even up to a level standard because the language Lua is a fully object oriented programming language uh, so that those of you who uh, know about these things it, it uh, uh, you can create objects it has inheritance and all the sort of high level stuff that are used when taught at a level so you can really use the minecraft from F- f- four to adult, so it's uh, a-, a phenomenal thing to use.
1: Amazing that it can be integrated yeah. into kind of A level skills as well. Oh yes, brilliant! Thanks, a and Graham. Stay with us, though. We want we're, you're not you're not off the hook yet. Oh, thank you. You're going to take just a quick break, and then we'll be back with our next guest. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. We're talking tonight all about technology from various perspectives and our next guest is Elisa Coad and she's joining us from up north, aren't you Elisa? I'm yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. And you are the founder of Chatfoss. That's right, yeah. Tell us the story of Chatfoss, Elisa.
4: Well, Chatfoss is an online communication tool for children. And it all came about because my brother works in the financial services industry. And he'd put together and built this app and website which enabled lawyers and bankers to communicate with each other but in a secure, private way. Um, And he was talking to me about it, and I suddenly thought this is what we need for children because I have no problem with my children wanting to chat to their friends, you know when I was a child I used to chat on the phone, Um, but I do have a problem with the idea of them having Instagram or Facebook because I don't think they've got the social maturity to be in contact with strangers, and so this to me was just a, a light bulb moment really.
0: And how does it actually work then?
4: So the way that it works is that you go onto the website and you register, and you need either a phone number or an email. So we suggest that parents put their phone number in or their email, and then you have an account. And then if you want to be friends with somebody, unlike things such as Facebook, you have to know that person's phone number or email to request them as a friend. They then get a notification, and they can choose whether they want to be friends with you or not. If they accept and you do become friends, where it differs to other tools is that all the relation, all the chats remain in the one-to-one. So if I'm friends with you, mm. I can't see who else you're friends with. I can't see what you've said to anyone else. So the idea is, for example, a girl taking a photo of themselves on holiday, in the selfie culture, instead of her just putting that up there and everybody seeing it, she would have to send it to every individual person. So the idea is that in the long term, my children will think... Well, why on earth Do I want 150 friends? I don't know these people. We're just trying to mirror, really, the offline world online.
0: Oh, okay. Does it, does it cost anything?
4: Uh, no, it's, it's completely free at the moment and, and will be for at least 12 months while we sort of bed it in.
1: Great stuff, Elisa. And can you tell us, now, e-safety is a word, I know so many parents know they need to know all about it, but what do you think about the way it's presented to parents?
4: very very difficult because most of us as parents we're digital immigrants ourselves and we haven't got a blueprint to follow you know we we can't think oh i remember when i was little my mum let me do this because this technology just didn't exist so it's such a new area i think it is difficult because there are there isn't any hard and fast rules and i think parents themselves just don't know enough about it and and I think also quite a lot of parents are scared so they're sort of in denial about it put bury their head in the sand with it.
0: I'm sure that you're probably right. Um, What are your top tips then for parents because you clearly know what you're talking about?
4: Um, My top tips would be make sure you set up safe search settings on your devices and this isn't because I'm suggesting that your children are going to go looking for bad things this is just about protection in the same way you put them in a cycling helmet when they go on a bike Mm -hmm. that doesn't guarantee they won't fall off and safe search doesn't guarantee they won't see disturbing images but it does at least put a level of protection in there i think the other thing is parents we just need to talk to our children about what they're doing online and it can become i mean you know i'm guilty of it myself it does buy you some peace and quiet and quite often you don't ask them what they were doing whereas in the real world you wouldn't just not know what they were doing for half an hour 45 minutes so i think it's just remembering that the internet is a powerful tool and we just need to keep on top of what children are actually doing
0: on there so what kind of age do you think you would start talking to your children about safety because i mean children are given their mums phones aren't they to sit and play on i see often as i'm out
4: yeah i mean it's It really is a difficult one because we don't want to scaremonger the children and just talk about, you know, horrific incidents. It's about basic education, you know. It's about mirroring the online and the offline world. I think that's just the key to it all. But I think you have to start from from when they're little, you know. I mean, if you take money, for example, you don't suddenly give your child a credit card from, you know, it's... It's just a natural progression. They maybe get 20 pence to buy some sweets and then they get pocket money and then they graduate to a bank account. I think we've got to take the same approach Mm -hmm. with um, with e-safety. We've got to sort of teach them almost from the moment they're using these devices
1: that makes complete sense Elisa and what I love about what you're saying is you're trying you're I mean why are we thinking that online is a different world to the offline world of course we should be applying the same principles and the same logic you know and I think like you say parents are so scared that they don't they don't kind of take the time to consider how to apply the standards in in both kind of in both realms so it's that's fantastic advice great and do you think schools have a role to play
4: I do think schools have a role to play, but I think, again, it's very difficult for the schools because once the children leave the classroom and they go home, you can have parents. If some parents are letting children on certain apps and other pa- other parents aren't, it's very hard for the school to manage. But I think the school has to try and work with children and also with parents in sort of reminding reminding the children what you know, what the internet is about and just sort of hammering home the same messages in the way that they teach them behaviour about manners in the in the dining hall or in the classroom.
1: And as well as parents kind of colluding or being on the same page as the school, do do parents need to be talking to each other as well? Like you say about some children are allowed to use certain apps. I mean, do, do you have any recommendations for, for parents to kind of get together and set standards so that nobody kind of, nobody kind of allows works. Well, ex- I mean, it, it's very difficult, and especially as these um, devices have become cheaper, they're now
4: very affordable. So, and um, you know, the, the most vigilant parent, if a child has got their own iPad, it is quite hard to keep on top of what they're actually doing. And the other thing I would say is that we're all fully aware of age ratings for films. You know, people wouldn't dream of letting their 10-year-old watch an 18 film. But you do find that they're letting them play games which have an age rating of 18. So I think it's just really, as parents, we have to remember that just because this is all in front of a screen, it doesn't make it any different or any more acceptable to be ignoring it as if it was day-to-day behaviour. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen there's um, there's a cartoon which has a picture of a child covered in spaghetti and it says, you know, when your children are laughing at your technology skills, remember you taught them how to use a spoon and people pass that round and they see it as funny but if if we think about it, it it's almost like it's considered so acceptable to not know about technology as a parent mm-hmm. which i think we really need a shift from that you know you'd be considered a negligent parent if you didn't know how to feed your child or look after them in other aspects so we, we co- you know we do need to take the the internet seriously with this i think
0: And I'm just wondering, you know, how are you publicising your um, chat force? Because it just sounds so sensible, but I have to admit, and before tonight I'd never heard of it, so where are you? I mean, you you have a a
1: website. Yes,
4: so we have a website, and we're just in our pilot phase, so we are starting to roll it out at primary schools across the country and um, we've been to three so far and the feedback's been very positive and some parents have been a bit reluctant at first because their view is i don't want my child involved in social media i don't want them near that kind of thing till they're older and i would agree with that 100 percent. but this isn't about social media no. this is about being social online but only with your own friends so um It's sort of educating them so that when they do turn around and say, I want Instagram or or what have you, you can say, well, why don't you use chat You can do exactly the same. You can video call your friends. You can send them pictures. You can send them clips. So as we're in this pilot phase, we're sort of going into schools and rolling it out, and we will go for a more national launch three months down the line, but we want to make sure we've got it exactly right. So when we do the pilot, we give a seminar to the parents about e-safety. We give a seminar to the teachers and we also give an assembly for the children because we need all three of those groups to understand and buy into what we're trying to do.
1: It's fantastic. Mm. Absolutely great, Elisa. We've put the chat link on our Facebook page. Great. And, and if um, anybody
4: would like their school to participate in a pilot, if they just um, drop us a line, we can look at, we can look at doing that. And Excellent. there's no cost
1: for the pilot. That's fantastic. We will, and we'll mention that um, on our Facebook page as well. And I love your um, your blog and the Chatfoss page. It's fantastic, and I, I, you know, brilliant and really worth a read. And that's that'll be on our Facebook page as well oh, thank for you. All, all our listeners. Elisa, thanks a million for joining us on the Parents Show. Okay, thanks a lot. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. Tonight is all about technology. We're talking about e-safety, Minecraft, coding, and the next topic, the one that nobody wants to touch, it's screen time. Now, I'm delighted to say Elizabeth Milovidov is joining us from Paris this evening. Elizabeth, how are you?
3: Oh, I'm just fine. Hello, everyone.
1: Thanks very much for joining us on The Parents Show. Um... Elizabeth, let me just give our listeners a bit of background. So you're an e-safety consultant and you speak on internet safety issues you have done for the Council of Europe and you've um, and you're consulted at the European Schoolnet, which is an an independent expert on children's rights and the internet. And you've also also been an advisor for the European Commission Joint Research Centre project, which is called Young, for Young Children from Zero to Eight and Digital Technology. So you and your 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 coaching company is called Digital Parenting Coaches that and um that's that's what you've come from you've gone to that from being a lawyer
3: Yes, exactly. Um, I was a lawyer, and then I had children, and I'd, I worked as a general counsel in internet technology companies here in France. And after I had children, the the game just changed, <laughs> and so I really took my expertise and focused on um, what really interests me, which was uh, children and internet, and uh, it started distilling itself down to basically uh, how to keep them safe. And so um, my consulting practice is DigitalParentingConsulting.com. But what I found was that parents really need a little bit of help and a little bit of a, a nudge in the right direction. So I created digitalparentingcoach.com where I can just provide a lot of free information um, and, and downloads so that parents can just go and find something quickly.
1: And in your digital parenting workshops and talks, what, what is the most pressing concern parents have?
3: Um, it's really interesting because I've done workshops in Paris, I've also, I did one at the Council of Europe, um, so these are people who specialize in children's rights and internet like myself, um, and it's ironic because we all have the same concerns as parents. We're, we're dealing with um, our children, uh, if they're coping, we're dealing with ourselves coping with technology and we're looking at our children and wondering if there's too much screen time, um, how do we reduce it, and, and parents really seem frustrated by by the changing technology and they're trying to figure out how to let their child reap the benefits and, and avoid the risk. But it's interesting because I was listening to Alicia earlier and talking about how we're the parents are in a different game with all this technology and while that's 100% true. We're also dealing with the same issues to a certain degree that our parents were. If you remember back when you watched too much telly, you know, your parents were always saying, get outside, turn off the television. Um, so there are some parallels. And one of the key things that I always try to tell parents is to bring your parenting skills, those offline parenting skills, bring them online because it's the, it's the same issues and there's a lot of common sense involved and they can't be afraid of technology.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a fantastic mes- message to be sending home to parents. And can I ask you, is there a difference between what concerns parents and what concerns children?
3: Yes, um, there, there really is. You would think that you know that they would have the same concerns because you know they're in the same families. It's technology, but but not at all. Um, in fact, the um, EU Kids Online, um, led by Sonia Livingston, they did a report just last year, and it was called um, "In Their Own Words." And they did a survey of nine to sixteen-year-olds in twenty-five European countries. And what was really interesting is that, yeah, parents are concerned about sexual content and, and risk of strangers, um, uh, you know, stranger danger. Um, and children were concerned to a certain extent with porno and stranger danger, of course, but they really wanted to talk more about violence. Um, they wanted to express their concern about YouTube videos and images that, that are shared online where they see violence against vulnerable victims, against children, against animals. Uh, they see car accidents. You can imagine in today's political climate the, the types of videos they're seeing on YouTube. Um, so the thing is is that with seeing an image, you can't unring that bell. So these, these children are seeing these things and they're really concerned. What's interesting, too, is that during my own workshops, um, I've spoken to the students first and then spoken to their parents afterwards, and um, I've noticed that children 7 to 14, uh, and this is here just in Paris, they're really worried about people being mean. They're worried about um, the, the, the evil text messages and, and, and this sort of thing, and their parents are concerned with addiction and stranger danger. So for me, when I sit there and look at this as far as what's happening in Europe and also what I'm seeing here in Paris is that I think a key takeaway for parents is, is not to project their own fears, because what we're concerned about is not necessarily what our children are concerned about, um, but to talk to our children to find out what bothers them, so that way we can address that too, and, and really communication, if I only... If I just hung up right now I would just tell all the parents talk to your children find out what they're doing uh, when they're online where they're going who they're talking to Um, we're we're all guilty of you know being a little overwhelmed and having things to do but spend those extra minutes um, to to speak with your children
0: I certainly started like that Elizabeth with my daughter who's now 19 but she certainly got to a stage where she just didn't want to tell me and didn't want to share stuff and you know, and I remember that time where I felt like I lost control um, so, I don't know, do you have any advice or thoughts about that? How do you keep those communication channels open or, or just, we, we just don't
3: yeah, no, you, you you just keep plugging at it. I mean, it's true. It's very, very difficult. And and while I'm not a psychologist, I am a, a lawyer and mm-hmm. a law professor and e-safety specialist. One of the things that I've um, found in the in, in my research uh, was a book called Screen Smart Parenting. And um, it's by a psychologist, and her name is Jodi uh, Gold. She's American. And she really um, gives advice about how to handle your children in all these different age groups. And they're just tips and things that she's seen in her own practice. Practice, um, And it always comes back to the same thing, just to try and to keep trying other methods. And if you're not that person that your daughter is speaking to, then perhaps you have a sister or another trusted person in your family uh, who can also be their friend on Facebook, you know, and just mm. kind of keep an eye out, not spying, mm. no. uh, but just keeping an eye out.
0: So, I mean, you're, you're really saying to us, aren't you, as parents, you need to sort of plan your journey with your child as they get used to using social media, you know, and train them from day one. It's very similar to what our previous guest was saying.
3: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all around us, and I think that, um, you know, in addition to training them, it's, it's for the parents to be a good role model themselves, yeah. and, you know, and I I may be in this area, but I also am on my smartphone and, and telling my six-year-old, oh, wait, 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 let me just send this message, yes. you know, so we, we all do this, but I think we have to realize that we need to be a good role model, a good digital role model as well, and mm. to, to begin as we mean to continue on. Do you think that's
0: one of the ways that we can set Scream uh, time limits for our children is by actually role modeling that just like you say we're not on it all the time saying hold on darling wait a minute i just got to do this you know how how do we set those screen limit times
3: Sure. No, I think it's difficult, and, and I'm glad that you asked me to, to speak about this, this touchy issue because I really have no problem saying that that parents can set and maintain screen limits. I, you know, of course, there's going to be some difficulties and some challenges, um, but I think it's important that they realize that there's no cookie-cutter formula. You know, even though there's a media and associations are going to be quick to tell you that there's these certain rules, you know, from, from 2 to 4, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just 30 minutes, et cetera, but I think that parents have to sit there and, and remember that they know their own child and that they have the common sense um, to, to deal with some of these issues. They know when their child is spending hour upon hour in front of Minecraft. Minecraft, which I love, by the way, because I do agree with Graham. It <laughs> yeah. teaches logic and problem-solving and goal-setting and science and economics and wonderful, wonderful things, but there has to be limits. Yeah. Um, there really has to be limits, and I think you don't have to to be a psychologist to really understand the, the effects of screen time, I mean, we know that children have a problem with sleep, with obesity, with their development. I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it, there's a time when you just say it's common sense. I'm not a nutritionist, but I know better than to give my kids just bags and bags of, uh, I think you guys say crisps. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and, and, and sweets and things like that. Um, it's, it's moderation. It's moderation in, in everything, moderation in technology.
0: One of the questions that we had down for you, actually, was um, when children now, and I'm sure it's the same where you're living, but are being parented by uh, divorced, separated parents living in two different houses, you know, weekend with dad, week with mom, whatever. How do do those parents go about setting, you know, the children could have very different rules, couldn't they?
3: Yes, yes, and I'm glad that you mentioned the rules because... It is true that you can create a, a family media agreement, a technology agreement, and, mm-hmm. and usually when I say that, people laugh at me saying, oh, there's a lawyer in her coming out again. But but it's not really it. It's just the idea of sitting there and, and kind of agreeing to some do's and don'ts. And There's mm-hmm. lots of uh, examples online. Um, I think that if you already have something set in place and then your child is going over to your ex's house or going over to another friend's house for a sleepover, they know what you expect of them. They know what the rules are. One of the things I've seen that happens quite frequently is on sleepovers or play dates where they go and, and perhaps the parents don't know the other family so well and the children are doing things and seeing things that they should not be doing. I mean, obviously, again, common sense. Do you let your child just go off to a playdate with some stranger? Well, no, you have to find out who the parents are, get to know them, you know, check and see what, what tech rules that they have. Um, I think, again, when we're talking about um, the ex and or the person who's, you know, showering the children in all these tech gifts and you're just sitting there feeling like you're the, you're the bad cop in the, all of this, because you're laying down all of these uh, arbitrary restrictions and things, I think that that's the time when you when you sit there and you have to pull back a little bit and say, okay, this is your ex's time with the children. It's exactly that. It's It's their time. And you have to put your focus back on being the best digital parent that you can be and try to maintain structure and consistency in your home. I mean, I know it sounds so easy to say, and it's very difficult to do, but, I mean, these – these are just kind of the guidelines of of what we can go forward with and what we can just keep trying to do and to keep speaking with our children
1: makes so much sense elizabeth thank you thank you so much we've we've actually your entire conversation has been mirrored on facebook now so all the recommendations that you've um you've mentioned is are, are there and just any any keep communicating um model the model the best behavior um, I'm just I think there's been some great nuggets in what you've said, and any any last few tips for parents.
3: Yeah, I would say um, you know don't be afraid of, of technology. A lot of a lot of parents are afraid and, and they don't want to dive into it. I think they should be thinking less about you know risk and and and, and, and all of the stranger danger and focus on on what's engaging and what and what's positive about technology. Um, I think that, that just like with anything, they should be clear with their children about their own expectations and what how they expect them to behave online. Just as you would give them the rules on how to behave if you're going to the mall, um, I think that they also need something that we're always talking about now is resilience and how to you know really to to teach our children to give them the, these coping skills uh, to help them be more resilient online and for me i think that at the end of the day if parents forget all of that i think they should just you know not blame themselves get rid of the guilt just keep trying and keep talking to your children
1: fantastic elizabeth thank you so much for joining us on the parents show it was a pleasure all the best thank bye-bye. you bye-bye thank you bye-bye. Now we're coming towards the end of our show we've got about four minutes left and we still have Graeme Bridge with us here in the studio now Graeme you've heard Elizabeth and Elisa talking about various elements what what are your thoughts
2: uh, yes i've I've made a couple of uh, comments here because um uh, Uh, One thing that I agree with entirely is is screen time. I meant to mention in my earlier uh, talk that uh, I would consider Minecraft as addictive as a class A substance. So you really do need to have some control, which obviously I I, I can't really advise on, but uh, it's quite important to make sure that that they don't spend all their time. Uh, Just a small example is uh, in Coding Club today, i could not get rid of three of my children and they uh, the bell went and teacher came to find out where they were uh, and i was telling them time and time again you have got to shut down and go and i couldn't get them off so uh, um, maybe i'm not tough enough on them but anyway uh, that's uh, that you definitely need to, to have that screen time um one other small point is um you can use minecraft on public servers uh, you can actually log in from your account to a public server uh, and play against other people it can be in a uh, either creative or a a, a survival mode the worst you can get from that is some bad language and some bullying which interestingly was what your last uh, guest was saying that the kids themselves are more concerned about bullying and, and and being being mean to and of course if you're in the middle of building some structure and some other person comes along and breaks it that can be pretty bad but of course your choice is well, You just don't go on that server again and of course you can run your own server i used to do that but um in order to do that you need to know a little bit about how to for uh, sort of uh, forward ports in your router and i think if kids know how to do that then you've got no hope anyway so <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you're a parent out there that right. knows how to do that then you don't need to be listening to this show
2: was there anything else you wanted to ask w- with regards to uh, the, the children, perhaps the numbers of boys and girls playing, or That's I don't know how exactly much time it. Yeah, yes? the split, okay. because mm. I
1: wonder, like, does Minecraft appeal to girls
2: at all? Yes, if you, if you go onto the search engines and actually ask uh, how many girls are playing Minecraft, it, it varies tremendously, but it looks to be about a quarter. Uh, there, but I've got some figures that might interest your your uh, listeners from the Code Clubs. Is that traditionally it's been thought of as a sort of boys thing, but there's uh, a, now a definite trend for more girls to, to take part, at least at primary level. Um, at uh, Crabtree School, over a quarter uh, are girls, and at Wheatfields, almost half, which is a good start. Whether that will continue into senior level remains to be seen, but it's it's uh, an early stage. Uh, very yet. positive start. Yes.
0: Very yes. positive. And
2: of course, the girls are actually better at coding because they stick to the task instead of getting lost and going off the thing. So they are boys. You've got a challenge. And they <laughs>
1: listen. They the, listen. The, yes. the they do what they're told.
2: Yes.
1: And what about children with special educational needs?
2: Yes. Uh, um, a, a very Useful fact that has been recently discovered is that some uh, children and adults which are labeled with uh, so-called learning disabilities particularly autism also ADHD and dyslexia can actually make extremely good uh, coders um, Microsoft have recognized this and if you if you go on to any of your favorite search sites and type in Microsoft autism the first uh, article you'll get it is is about how they are actively seeking out autistic uh, people to work for them because they make phenomenally good uh, coders. Um, at least five of my pupils fall into one or more of those categories and I can confirm that's to be the, uh, the case. So it's an important way for those that might have struggled to find a, a career in most fields mm. to certainly think about computer science where mm. they really do seem to, to, to take off on it
1: fantastic graham thank you so much for joining us on the parents show it's been absolutely fascinating listening to you and your passion and i'm sure that carries on to so many children that's why you can't get rid of them that's (laughs) true yes but um so thank you all for joining us tonight on the Parents show to all our guests and we will be here at the same time next week good evening Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The
0: friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.